Welcome to another pod. Happy New Year to all of you listeners out there. We can still say Happy New Year because it's January 4th, 5th. I feel like once you get to 6th and beyond, it's a little tacky to say Happy New Year. No one really wants to hear that. You know, we're in the new year. Anyways, I have a brand new guest for you today, Sophie Kalowski. She is my cousin. I've known her all my life. She is one year old younger than me. Uh, I always like to just kind of remind her of that. Anyways, um, she is a sexual assault advocate in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, So she goes into the hospital or police stations uh, to help those that have been affected by sexual assault. And she also works with the education uh, in the school system and other um, faculties, which you'll understand once we... Once you listen to the full discussion, uh, and then along with that, this is kind of a trigger warning or parent advisory warning. Um, if you or someone close to you has been affected by sexual assault, uh, this conversation may be hard for you to listen to. Uh, just in general, uh, I think it was a really great conversation that we had, and it was really productive. I learned a bunch of stuff which I didn't know previously. And it's definitely a topic that isn't discussed a lot, uh, and I think it should be discussed more, but it is a, something that is hard to talk about. And obviously, if it's Friday afternoon and you're hanging out with your friends, you don't necessarily want to talk about the problems of sexual assault. Um, but it does happen, and it's important to have these discussions. Uh, so if you don't want to have this discussion with friends, maybe just listen to this or share this with a friend to really help uh just kind of spread what um, Sophie and people like Sophie are doing. So um, besides that, just thank you again for tuning in. Follow the socials on Instagram and Twitter. um, And let's get right into the podcast. Okay, Sophie, welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling tonight? Thank you for having me. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so for the listeners, people that don't know Sophie, um, she's my cousin. Um, and uh, gra- we graduated college the same year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Yep. But I have a year on you in age, so much wiser. I feel like being the younger kid in the grade makes you wiser because you have to, like, toughen up faster. So, agree to disagree. (laughs) Just saying on that one. Fair enough. Um, But, so, let's kind of, we can start right in with uh, your line of work. Um, So, can you just describe to the listeners, um, kind of, not like a full deep dive because we'll get into that. I kind of want to tell the story of how you decide to go there. Um, but just like a little bit about your job. Yeah. So, um, I'm a sexual assault crisis counselor. Um, basically that means that I respond to crisis, crises of sexual assault. Um, but basically my title at that role is the campus advocate. Um, so I work within the colleges and the universities, um, within our like catchment area, our service area. Um, and basically, I'm there as a resource for anyone who is experiencing 
um, any sexual assault, sexual violence um, needs resources. So some of the things I provide is free short-term counseling, um, which can be really, of course, helpful after experiencing that. And I think the fact that it's free is really awesome. Um, I do information and referral. So I refer people to legal services. Um, if they need help with like scholarships or anything, I can help them look for that. Um, I also do a lot of presentations. So I go to school, um, that is the campuses, but also I do a lot of like K through 12 um, prevention education where we go and we talk about consent, healthy relationships, um, things like that. So I just kind of like to sum up the job of sexual assault crisis counselor as anything a someone or their loved ones might need um, in regards to experiencing sexual assault, um, I'm there to, to help in any way that I possibly can. Um, and if there's something that I personally cannot help with or my job doesn't have the resources for it, I will look for other places that might be able to help. So that's kind of the, the short the description I give to people. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so obviously that's a very kind of like he heavy topic, um, especially more recently. Um, I feel like there's been a lot more conversation around sexual assault. Um, and it's also a very noble cause um, that you've decided uh, to take in your kind of young part of your life. Um, what was kind of the thought process behind joining this field? Did you always want to do it or is it something that you just were looking around for a job and this just kind of fell in your lap? Yeah. Um, very interesting question. I feel like every day I wake up and I'm like, do I really want to do this? I, of course I really do, but it can be difficult. Um, mm -hmm. of course, like with any job, but of, of course with the nature, um, and just hearing and seeing sad stuff a lot can be really hard. Um, I would say I've always known that I wanted to do kind of a helping profession. When I was younger, I wanted to be a nurse, um, kind of like our grandma um, or like my older sister, because I, I just always thought that was really like noble and such a sweet thing to do. Um, as I grew up, I was, I'm bad at math and science, so I don't know if I'd be the best nurse. I wouldn't want to kill anyone. Um, I would say my passion for like sexual violence, um, sexual assault, like social justice work kind of really formed when I was in high school. Um, just ever ha after having kind of personal experiences it, with it myself um, and also a lot of my friends. Um, so I just knew that I'd, I'd wanted to do something in that realm. Um, and then, of course, when I went into college, um, even more people I have known have had experiences. Um, a lot of times when I tell people um, this, this is a job I do, they're like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. Um, a lot of people say that to me. So um, it's an issue that I've, I've always wanted to fix and, and help people through it because I, I understand how hard it is. Um, I would say in college, I, again, I was a woman in gender studies major. So we talk a lot about like the patriarchy and toxic masculinity and rape culture. So things that are really um, intertwined with, with my work. Um, so it kind of just inspired me even more. Um, and honestly, one of the biggest things that inspired me was kind of like reactions from older adults, <laughs> um, like telling them that was what I wanted to do. And they'd either be like, why would you want to do that? Or they'd kind of like look at me with pity and be like, that's so sad. Like, why would you? That's so sad. Does anyone hear about that? Um, but in my head, it's like, I know that stuff goes on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd be sadder not helping. Um, and also I think that not to like toot my own horn, but I think I'm really, really good at my job. Um, and I think I am like low key, like made for this job because a lot of the things that you need, the attributes like empathy, non-judgment, but also kind of cool under pressure, independent, responsible, um, confident is something all characters that I have characteristics that I have. So, um, it definitely just aligns with who I was and who I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's okay. You can brag as much as you want (laughs) about yourself. Um, I, I feel like I would hope that most people feel like they're good at their jobs. So, yeah, oh my gosh, I no worries like, there. I feel like that was the thing when I first got the job. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be shitty at this. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna suck. But um, slowly, as I got more and more into the job, I was like, wow, I think I'm actually good at this. Um, and I, I, I'm just happy that, again, not to toot my own horn, I'm happy that I'm doing it. Um, because a lot of like my clients that I work with. Um, I'm just like happy that they have me as kind of one of their support people versus someone who might not understand them as well Mm -hmm. or someone who might um, have like preconceived bias or like prejudices that I, of course, we all have that, you know, um, all all those things that were kind of ingrained into us through society. But I definitely think that I'm someone who tries to like actively not actively fight against those mm-hmm. um so i'm really happy that it's like me in that position yeah for sure yeah that's awesome um i kind of want to go back to um something that you mentioned um so you're saying you're going into schools uh both like college university campuses and like k through 12 and stuff um did you like growing up have anything kind of like that um where people would come in to uh because i know like for me personally we did have stuff in college um we all have to take tests before um entering into school like kind of i i don't really know what to compare it to but it's like a course you take online and when we got to school we had different conversations about it um, but it was never really ever discussed in high school whatsoever. Yeah. Um, sure. And then let alone like elementary school. I mean, obviously we had like sex education, but there wasn't like a, a correct way to go about it. And there was nothing about violence or like sexual assault. Um, so I'm just curious if you had any experience with that. And if you didn't um, like going to schools now, I guess just how, how much does that help or, yeah. Um, similar to you. Yeah. Didn't have those conversations in school. Um, when it was sex ed, it was very, these are condoms. This is birth control. Um, chlamydia. Oh my God. Um, but nothing, yeah, nothing talking about consent or boundaries or respecting your partner, being comfortable. Um, it's definitely something that every, every child, I think really, really, really needs. Um, Again, not something I ever experienced. I think I was blessed to have parents that were, although they didn't talk about sex very outright. Like I know some people whose parents are like, yeah, like let's talk about it. Um, My parents weren't like that, but they were very, um, you know, like, you know, respect yourself and Mm -hmm. talk to us if you need to talk about anything, um, you know, your, like your body, your choice kind of. Um, So I felt blessed to have parents who I felt comfortable enough to talk with about things. Um, but at the same time, I definitely agree. Something that should be in school, especially, um, thinking back on high school, 
um, and some of the things that went on, like, in high school. Like, I don't know if you guys ever had this, but we had, like, a thought. Oops. It froze out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. The last thing I got was high school. High school, you had something. Okay, we had this thing called a thought list. Did you guys ever have that? I don't know, but if you explain it, there might be something comparable. Um, It was basically this, like, anonymous list that someone, like, published. And had all these different girls from our school named. um, And then, like, sexual acts that they had done with people or, like, supposedly had done with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, back in the day, it was all like, ah, did you read that, like, Chelsea, like, suck so-and-so off? Like, um, and it was, like, a joke, but you know, once you got older, you're kind of like, yeah, probably one didn't happen. Or if it did, like, how do we know that it was proper? And it's just like a breach of privacy. So there were things um, going on in high school that at the time, I was like, this isn't right. But I, I didn't know that it was not something that um, like, was really, really bad. Like even like sending like, there were all those girls who I had seen their nudes of and I was like, haha, like this is funny. Yeah. Um, like fifteen year old me was like, Oh, I hope if that if it was me I would have been mortified. But when it was another person I was like, Oh, it's kinda funny. Um, but like that is distributing child pornography. Yeah. So you can get arrested for that. Mm. So again, yeah, definitely conversations that we need to have. Um, especially because when I go into high schools it seems like the students are actually really engaged and it's something that like stuff that they want to want to talk about Mm. um because of again like kids have phones and instagram and twitter nowadays um this stuff is talked about really openly online so kids kind of know that like they need to have these conversations um and there's a lot of times i've been in the classrooms where a student has said like oh my like my partner did this to me or like a family member did this to me so just making that space where someone feels safe enough to talk about it um, and I remember one time I was in this um, kind of like empowerment. It was an all girls class. And we were just talking about like empowerment. Um, and she, had, one of the students had just disclosed like that something had happened. And all the other students like in the chat, because this was during COVID, mm-hmm. um, were like, this is amazing. Um, you know, like, thank you so much for sharing. We're all here to like respect you and support you. Um, and I just think about if someone like, back when we were in high school, if someone had said that, I don't think it would have been as well received. Mm -hmm. Again, it was a group full of girls, so it might be a little different, but I just, I don't think that would have been as well received. Um, So I'm glad that, you know, the the changes are happening, but it's definitely something that we need to go and do more, do more work on. Um, In Connecticut, I think it, maybe it's nationwide, at least in Connecticut, um, there's a law that students, that um, schools with K through 12, have to have education on sexual violence, um, healthy relationships, stuff like this, mm-hmm. because of some incident, I think, of, like, a student um, getting killed by a partner or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's a law, um, at least in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, though, it seems like sometimes when we do contact um, teachers or faculty at schools, they seem kind of hesitant to have us in, because um, I think kind of the thought process is if we, if you come in, um, then we're admitting that this stuff happens here, which yeah. it does, and you can admit it or not, but it does, and it's going to happen at every school. Um, but yeah, I just think it definitely needs to happen more. Um, but yeah, that that I love going. I love going to schools. 
the kids I think really like us because we're also like a break from their teacher who they are probably sick of and don't mm. like. And at least like myself and a couple of my other coworkers are like younger. So we're like, hey, what's up? Mm. And like, you know, we use like relatable language. Um, I remember one time I said like dick pic in a class and the ki- a kid in the chat was like, she just said dick pic, that, that, that. But I was like, y'all just said dick pic. I'm just mirroring what y'all said. So um, yeah. I think it's, it's nice for them. At least mm. I hope it's nice for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely needs to be extended. Yeah. Yeah. So just going back to my high school experience, we didn't really, we didn't have something like you were explaining, um, but we did have like a child pornography case where someone was distributing nudes of some girl. Um, and so it is, like you said, like the schools may not want to admit it, but it happens everywhere, no matter what, what situation it is. Um, and so I guess what, in kind of going along that lines, you mentioned that like teachers and like administration might not want you to come in. What, how do you kind of convince those people that say maybe these kids aren't mature enough to talk about it or <clears throat> say like sixth graders? I mean, like, why are we talking about this terrible, awful thing to sixth graders when mm-hmm. they need to be like blissfully ing- ignorant to the yeah. topic, I guess? Um, of course, that is one of the things that I get, like, very frustrated about, like, blissfully ignorant, um, because when I first got this job, my role was the child advocate, so I was working with minors, mm-hmm. um, and my thought process with it is there are some children who, who don't have the chance to be blissfully ignorant because it's something that they're experiencing at home or um, by a caretaker, by a family member, by a friend, by, a rel- you know, mm-hmm. um, so I think that that kind of thought process is bullshit to me because it's, like, there could be, there are children at your school who are going through this who you are not being a resource for. Um, one of the biggest things, though, that we that we do with that one is we literally um, do, we bring up the law that Connecticut has. So yeah. Like, well, if you look at, like, 501, da, 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 um, legally, you guys should be doing this programming. Mm-hmm. So um, I think sometimes they get kind of like, oh, no, they're kind of forcing us to do it. But at the reality of it, they need to, they need to be doing it, at least in our state. Um and I also kind of like to say a lot of times we're not going in and we're not a lot of times we're not going in and just talking about sexual violence, right? There's a lot of things that go into those occurrences and why it's so normalized in our society. Um, so even like when kids are younger, um, we, we talk about boundaries. We talk about healthy relationships, um, not in the terms of like intimate partners, but of like friendships, family members. Um, so it's good to start out earlier as you can. Of course, you don't have to talk about sex immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily appropriate for like a first grader to learn about rape if they don't have to. Um, but of course, letting them know, you know, um, you have your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Those are really important. If someone crosses a boundary with you that you don't that you don't like, this is what you can do, and this is how you can protect yourself. Um, because it really, again, it's such a range of things that go into the phenomenon, the phenomenon, the pandemic, epidemic of sexual violence, um, that it's just, it's really important to talk about those things. Um, like, even we can talk about consent in ways like, um, you know, asking before giving people hugs or asking before using someone's toys, things mm-hmm. like that. So there's ways that we can solidify, like, the groundwork. Um other than just talking about like sexual assault. Um, we also 
we are not allowed to talk about sex ed, like in any shape, way or form, um, which is kind of, it's something that I have a qualm with. I, I don't like, but um, cause like when you go to sex ed in school, you have to have um, a parent sign the permission slip, right? If you guys had to do that. I think so. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like that yeah, would I, make sense. Yeah. So you have to get like parents permission, um, which again, not my favorite thing. I think kids should be taught about sex ed, especially even more if their parents don't want them to know about it. Cause they're not going to know anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, that is one of the hindrances. Um, like we can't talk about like healthy sexuality and not we can talk about healthy sexuality, but we can't talk about anything related to like sex, like contraception or, um, stuff like that. A lot of those conversations do kind of go hand in hand with our topic. Mm-hmm. So it can be kind of restricting, um, especially for like, I don't know. I think one of the reasons why there's so much shame and stigma around this stuff is that it's not talked about and it's like very shameful. So, once we break down that stigma of sex is weird and we're not going to talk about it, then if someone is sexually assaulted, um, then they can not have less shame because it's like, if people don't even want to talk about the consensual aspect of this, like how are they going to react when I'm telling them that what happened to me was really bad? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but mm-hmm. definitely come, we combat that by just saying, you know, like you legally have to have us there. Um, and, but also like through peaceful, nice niceties, um, similar to how I talk to cops, sometimes I talk to them, um, kind of at like first grade level, like, hi, how are you? Very calm, very nice. Um, because of course I want to support my client. Um, and to do that, I have to make sure that those people are on their side. So, mm-hmm. um, I want to support the students. So just coming at it a really nice approach, um, or, you know, going to someone who I think at the school would be super interested in us coming. So someone like a counselor, um, or like their title nine person, because those people have like, are invested in that, mm-hmm. um, those conversations. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And it's something that I didn't really even think about, but the, the fact that like kids in like third and fourth grade or even first grade in kindergarten, they might not necessarily need like a sexual assault training or something or just discussion around that but like you said like boundaries like Mm -hmm. um because again unfortunately shit like that does happen and Mm -hmm. if the kid doesn't say anything no one's gonna know a lot of the times um whether it's like a caregiver or relative or something like that um i so like that's a thought process I hadn't even thought of, um, but that seems very important just so that we can kind of identify like, Hey, this does happen. Um, and I do think that that's something that it, it is a very like heavy topic to think about and let alone talk about. Um, so yeah. I think it's hard, uh, to get people, especially like if the school says, Hey, we're going to have these sixth graders or like six year olds talk about like, people touching them in areas where they don't want to be touched. Um, that's hard to sell to the parents and, mm-hmm. um, cause they don't want to think that that could happen to their kid. Um, sure. but depending on what area of society you're shaped up to in, um, it does happen. Um, sure. yeah. So just going off of that, um, how do you, how do you like approach that? If that makes sense. Um, like when you're talking to these kids, like, I know that you're like, 
how not to say to make it fun but how do you like create an environment where people can talk about this stuff um and educate them essentially yeah so um one of the first things we do whenever we give any presentation is we give like a quick overview of our services um like where we're coming from mm-hmm. of course if they're like in first or second grade we don't we don't do that we yeah. usually give um, a goodie bag that they bring home to their parents that will have like our info card in it. Okay. Um, but it will also have like pencils with our hotline on it or like crayons with our hotline mm-hmm. on it. So um, we have fidget spinners with our hotline on it. So there's things that it's like, take this kids. Yeah. And even though they don't really know what's going on, I'm like, at least someone in the house sees this number. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the parent reads the fidget spinner and they're like, okay, whatever. It's a fidget spinner. But if they ever need it, they'll be like, that fidget spinner had the number on it. Um, but basically, um, when they're older, doing our overview of services, I think, is a great thing. Again, we don't go super in-depth, but just kind of saying, this is where we're coming from. If you need support for anything at all, um, you know, call us or talk to us after after the session. Um, and just letting the students know that um, it's really a safe space. Um, like, one of the other things we do after our services is we talk about like self-care and we just say you know like trigger warning if we talk about anything that you know upsets you or anything feel free to step out the room mm-hmm. put your head down whatever you need um and even you know not after not at this presentation if you're ever feeling overwhelmed you know make sure to make that time for yourself um so really coming at it from a place of like letting the kids know that we're there to like to educate in the way of like let's just have a conversation versus like okay open a textbook chapter page four whatever um, so like letting them know that we're there to have that conversation. And again, like I said earlier, you know, I think it helps when it's younger adults, um, that they can kind of relate to. And they're kind of like, Oh, like Miss Sophie's cool. Like that's cool. Um, I recently just did, um, this like art therapy workshop, um, at, um, a DCS house. Um, and by the end of it, I just like loved all of the girls so much. One of them like gave me a crystal that she bought for me and she's like, I got it for you. So like I was thinking of you. Um, so just like making those connections and letting the students know that we're like, we're there for them. We're not going to judge them. Um, Cause to be quite honest, like there are a lot of adults within school systems, the foster care system um, that aren't there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that might not be the, the warmest person to talk to. So just letting them know that we're there for them in that way. Um, but also I do think, yeah, um, goodies and like swag goes a long way. So whenever I pass out pens or fidget spinners, I just ordered all these cute new stickers. that say like, I asked for consent. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves them. So um, that's a great way to get, especially kids, get them interested, especially college kids. When I go with the stickers, they're like, oh, for my water bottle. I'm like, mm-hmm. I knew you were going to say that. So um, just like being cool and open and, and caring. Definitely not everyone can go do presentations. Um, when I first got the job, I was like, I suck at presentations, all my presentations in high school and stuff. I was so nervous about, mm-hmm. um, and then when I kind of gave like my mock presentation, which they make us do before going to, um, of course, like students and outreach, yeah. they were like, Sophie, you're amazing. And I don't know why you said that in your interview. Like you just look even better now because you're so good. And, um, yeah, technically prevention education is not like one of my super big job duties. Um, just because we have a prevention educator. Well, the position is open right now, so I have been doing more. But um, I definitely get asked to do it a lot because I think that I'm, like, a very open and warm person. And I think the kids can, like, kind of relate to that and see that I'm coming from, like, a 
what's up? Although sometimes I feel like Steve Buscemi, like in that meme where he's like, what up, kids? And he's like, <laughs> and he's like an old man. So yeah. I feel like that sometimes, but I hope they think I'm cool at least. I said dick pic one time, so I think I'm got something going for me. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you're relating to the youth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> um, but so I guess I just want to get your general overall thoughts. Um, so if you kind of had like a magic wand um, to obviously I don't think we'll ever get to a point where just like sexual violence, sexual assault is completely eradicated from the earth, like a, mm-hmm. like polio or um, I just, totally fe- <laughs> well, like, I mean, I don't, no, right. I'm sure that no matter how, great our society is built that there'll be some form of that um but what what do you think are things that we could do as a society or people could do individually um that could either minimize it or um help prevent more of it from happening yeah um that's kind of a loaded question for sure like you said i do i while i while i would love to be in the thought process of sexual violence will no longer exist one day. Like mm-hmm. how a lot of those like medical things, like we're fighting for the cure for one day. Yeah. We won't have polio. Um, I don't see it happening at least for the next couple of thousand years until people reach like a new level of Nirvana and they're just better ethereal beings. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Um, but in general, um, one of the big things I talk about sexual violence all the time is um, a lot of times people really think about the, pandemic epidemic phenomenon again whatever you want to call it um as um a crime of like passion or sex like i was uncontrollable um that's why i did this in reality um sexual violence is like a crime of oppression um and we can see this like through statistics so of course marginalized communities um the black community the queer community um of course women i think goes you know without saying Mm -hmm. um have way higher rates of sexual assault than um, white cis hetero men still happens, still happens to that group of people. Um, But it's really about shame and stigma. Um, And if your tool of keeping someone silent um, or oppressed or put down is something that we can't even talk about, of course it's the ultimate tool, right? Because I can't even talk against this because I'm too ashamed and I'm too embarrassed. Um, and I don't even know if anyone will believe me when I talk out about it. So I really see sexual violence as the tool of oppressors. I think that also can be seen in his throughout history. Um, sexual violence has been used in most every war um, mm-hmm. that has ever been fought throughout the world um, as a tool to keep whoever is the lower, I guess, in the situation um, in that place of shame and, and fear. So definitely something, you know, that systemically... I think to stop it, let's let's look at white supremacy. Let's look at um, heteronormativity. Let's look at ableism. Like all the things that people talk about, all those mouth words, it would help because we need to discuss those things. And if we kind of, you know, uplift those marginalized communities, then hopefully we can talk about this. Um, but in a more, you know, concrete way, I would say supporting survivors is essential. Um, I think one of the biggest things that can really tear someone down is when you tell your story um, and people say, like, I don't believe you or what were you wearing or what were you doing kind of thing. Um, And a lot of times those are coming, those words are coming from 
like our support system, the people that we love, because it's not something that a lot of people open up to about like randomly like, oh, yeah, I was raped. You know, like a lot of people tell that to a person that um, they're really comfortable with. Not everyone. Some people are very open about it, but, um, you know, most people. Um, so, you know, just supporting and believing because when you're going through something like this, to have someone who you love and trust kind of question what you've said um, is the ultimate, you know, revictimization. I think, um, you know, it's like, well, if, if my mom said that about me, what are they going to say when I go to the police? Which is mm-hmm. really intimidating to go to, um, especially if like you're a woman of color who doesn't have the best experience with the police system anyways. Um, so supporting and believing survivors, a lot of people, I think, when a friend or a family member or loved one um, kind of disclose it to them, they're worried about saying the wrong thing. Um, and I always say, you know, the, the right thing to say, um, as long as it's, again, I don't believe you, there's not really a wrong thing to say. Um, but what m- what's most important is, you know, I do believe you. I support you. I love you. I'm with you. This really sucks. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Um, and giving them that space and giving them that support. So do you need anything? Is there any way I can help? Do you want to go to the police? I'll come with you. Things like that. Um, so yeah, so supporting your loved ones. Like, like I was saying, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this work, again, personal experience, but also um, friends and family. And mo- a lot of friends, you know, in high school as a, as a woman, um, I had a lot of friends who had experienced something. Maybe it wasn't like rape, but it was sexual harassment or even just getting catcalled on the street when you're like 13 years old in sweatpants and walking to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, like letting people talk about it and giving them that space, believing them. Um, that's, yeah, that's one of my biggest things. Um, but I think with any, like any other issue, I say educate yourself. Um, and that's a really big thing. I think a lot of people don't have the time to educate themselves on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if we educate ourselves more on this issue, um, it really does touch, I think, each and every one of us. Because even if it didn't happen to you, it happened to your mom or your sister or your brother or your uncle or your friend or your partner. Um, so we need people need to educate themselves on on this. It's very common. Um, it's kind of like how I think everyone should be like Narcan trained because it's just so common nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like you could save a life like people should educate themselves on sexual violence and ways to support um or even resources um, the best thing you can do is really just again letting that person know that you're there for them and i think that again we're not going to get it rid of it but as long as survivors know that they're supported um maybe the media won't catch up for a while but as long as you know you're supported within your support like within your close system your close support system that really really makes a difference mm. um and I think that's the first thing to kind of ending the shame and stigma, because if you're uplifted by the people who are close to you, of course, you're going to feel way better about coming forward, um, making charges. Um, or if that's not your intention, which is completely reasonable, because, again, we've seen how the media and how society can treat some of the people that speak out against um, these things or what's happened to them. Um, at least they do have those people that believe them and love them and support them. So either way you go with it, I think that's really the biggest um, way to kind of change that. Yeah, and I think we've kind of touched on it in almost every every sentence we spoke, but just talking about it um, seems yeah. like 
something that whether it's with your loved ones or with the police and just like normalizing it into conversation um kind of kind of like what you were saying also about like normalizing like sex talk amongst like like it's not this taboo subject that you're not supposed to talk about um it's something that happens and we need to address it and have conversations about it um you mentioned that like education is not a big thing um what do you i guess if you're a parent and you're you have a young child or if you're someone like me in my mid-20s or college kid or something like that and you don't have someone coming into your school or you're not in school um what are can you think of like some resources maybe like free online or i mean i'm assuming there's type your type of organizations all over the country correct yeah yeah so um for sure so of course the internet great Mm. resource but the internet can be hard to comb through especially when we're talking about this subject because there again can be a lot of negative things posted Mm. about it um so yeah it kind of takes a trained eye with that one um i would say um yeah there are organizations like mine throughout throughout the country um the way that Connecticut works is there's nine rape crisis centers. And then we're all a member of this thing called the Connecticut Alliance to end sexual violence. Um, again, we talked about it. Don't know if it's going to end anytime soon. The name is valiant. Um, but so we're all kind of like grouped together by this organization that makes like the policies for us and works on a lot of legislation work for us. Um, but I definitely would say starting out with your local rape crisis center, um, you can find that by going to RAIN. So it's R-A-I-N-N, um, Rape, Abuse, Incest Network, National Network, I believe is what it stands for. Um, they're a great, great resource. Um, I think it's a .org, RAIN.org. Um, they're a great resource that can help put you in contact with your lo- local rape crisis center. But they also have on their website um, great resources, great statistics, Um so that is like a great place to start. And that's a national um, organization, Rain. Mm-hmm, Rain, okay. yeah. So it's it's the whole country. Um, they're very very big. Um, I think I would say they're like the one of the biggest um, resources when it comes to um, yeah, like getting services, providing information to everyone on the national scale. Um, in a similar vein, there's something called NSVRC, so the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Um, again, I believe it's a .org. Similar terrain has a lot of great resources. That's where I actually got a lot of my stickers from. They have a lot of good merch. So if you want to spread awareness by having a sticker, you could go there. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Um, and if you can, again, start local. Um, your local rape, 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 local rape crisis center um, will have a, a lot of great statistics and resources in the local area, um, which I think is really important. Like small local businesses um and mm-hmm. similar your rape crisis center is is usually at least ours is you know funded by like the state um in various ways um so it's a great resource to check out um but also i think things like documentaries can be really eye-opening um and books so um one of the documentaries that i always recommend to people um is the hunting ground it was like produced by lady gaga so it's like this really big thing um, but it was a documentary, I think it was released maybe like three or four years ago. No, it was longer than that. I watched it like when I was a senior in high school. So it was five years ago. Okay. Five or six years ago. Do you know what streaming platform it's on by chance? It used to be on Netflix. Okay. 
I don't know if it's those, um, but The Hunting Ground, it's a great resource that talks about specifically campus sexual assault. Um, so I, I'm near and dear to my heart because that's like my job title. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great movie that kind of talks about the statistics, um, the way that sexual assault works. Um, and it, it really highlights the way that people who speak out against it are treated, which I think just shows like the great injustices. Um, trying to think. Another great documentary is called The Invisible War. Um, which I think is really important. It talks about sexual assault within the military, um, mm-hmm. which is a really, really pervasive problem. They say that um, more female veterans have PTSD from sexual assault versus combat. Um, so something definitely to keep in mind. Um, and then books, always a great book. Um, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Um, and it is written by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He's Finnish or something. Um, it's not necessarily about sexual assault. Um, it has a lot about it, though. It's about how our body and our brain work together to process trauma. Um, and I think that's a great way to educate yourself on maybe why is this person acting this way after they've been through a traumatic event? Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of us, we respond in such different ways, right? Like humans are so varied that we respond to different um, stimuli in different ways. Um, but it's a great conversation on um how we process it and how it really affects our whole being and not just our mind um so that's a great book and then lastly i need to google it because i really i haven't read it yet but um i really i've been recommending it and i need to read it um but it's okay it's written it's by chanel miller who was um the the victim of um, Brock Turner, if you remember that case. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a Stanford swimmer and he was caught like in the act. Yep. Um, and the judge, I think, gave him like 60 days and he only ended up serving like 30. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember the specific days. Um, it was a short was sentence like, and then he got it reduced, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the judge was kind of like, he's a great guy and we don't want to ruin his prospects. Um, but his victim was always anonymous, which was, I think, really good because of like that's what she wanted and it protected her but she recently released a book it said no it's called know my name mm-hmm. yeah know my name by her okay um that really talks about how the media treated her um how the experience was how it's affected her so i've been recommending that to people i should read it myself and i really i need to but again um i don't necessarily have the time with this job um your mom actually just gave me a book and she texted me like, are you done with it yet? Like three days after she gave it to me, I was like, ma'am, like, I, I have barely had time to shower. I don't know why you think I'd have read your book already. Um, the book she gave me was pretty good. I mm. still haven't finished it. But um, yeah, so those I would say like are my book movie recommendations to kind of like get you started. Um, but again, local rape crisis center is a great place to start. Um, I'm sure there's someone who would be willing to like talk with you there even just to educate you, I, if someone ever emailed or called us and was like, we want someone to kind of just talk to us, I would be like, hell yeah, I'm doing that. Like, that sounds like something that's not crisis, which I'm usually dealing with. So mm-hmm. I, I would do it. Um, so yeah, those are definitely my recs. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm sure if someone wanted to learn more, the, you gave them plenty of hours of content for that. So thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so kind of going off of that, um, we've kind of talked about like some difficult things um but can you maybe and 
obviously you can't tell maybe a specific story, but just like some things that good have happened out of you working, mm. um, whether it's just like connections you made or um, mm. like maybe a feel good story to kind of lively yeah. the mood a little bit. <laughs> For sure. Um, you're right. I, I do think sometimes doing this work, I can get into a very like negative headspace mm-hmm. um especially after one of the big things i do is going on hospital accompaniment so when i'm on call for our hotline um if someone goes to get like a forensic examination kit like commonly known as a rape kit we try not to say that though um we have to go with them so after those incidents i'm super angry i usually cry come home drink some wine smoke some weed because i'm done mm-hmm. um really upsetting but um saying that there is there is a lot a great deal of joy um i think again i said it a couple times but kind of finding something that i feel that i'm good at and knowing i'm making a difference has really just made me like help me out um i've definitely been through a lot of hard things in my life um especially after you know graduating and it was covid and i was like working at a thrift store and i was sad um didn't know what i was going to do with my life everyone's pressuring me um all of like me and you i think we're the only ones who graduated that year and it was like my mom's like avery lives in boston i'm like i'm sorry i live in your house i'm so (laughs) sorry that i'm burdening you with this um so finding kind of like i would like to say like my purpose and of you know like finding something that i'm actually good at because i've definitely been one of those people who is kind of like i'm not really good at anything i'm not good at sports i'm awkward i'm talk too much so i'm like i don't know where there are places for me um but I really found it there. So that's been really helpful for like my own personal journey and personal growth. Um, but anytime I can do something for a client, um, that really helps them out. So mm-hmm. there's been clients that I've had like my job pay for their rent for that month. That always makes me feel good because especially for my um, clients who have children, like they need help. Um, getting sexually assaulted doesn't make you want to go to work and do your best. It makes you want to stay at home and low-key die a little. So um, anything I can provide, provide in that way, that makes me happy. Um, and I think, yeah, making those connections, um, with my clients and just knowing who they are. I have so many amazing clients that I really like love so deeply and I care for so deeply. Um, I always say this, I'm like, I wish we could be friends because there's a lot of clients that I'm like, like, you're so cool. I would want to hang out with you after this. Um, of course that's not like ethical or professional. Um, but just the connections I've made with people. Um, and there's definitely been a couple clients who they've kind of said, you know, like, I'm so glad I have you. I don't have anyone to talk to us about. And you've been such a great support for me. Um, yeah, that, that is, I think, really what I do it for and really helpful. Um, this is happy, but it's also kind of sad. But I had a client who invited me to, like, a family member's funeral. Um, but it was because she wanted me there for support. Um, so... Of course, I was super sad about it, but I was like, you know, I need to be a support. I didn't end up going because I was sick that day, which is really sad. But, um, you know, just knowing that I'm, I can be that person for someone, I think is really, really happy. So I would say the connections, what it's done for me personally. Um, yeah, and I've also learned a great deal now of, like, info, how to handle situations, where to go if you need something. Um, so I would definitely say that, but yeah, ultimately my favorite thing about my job is really the connections I make with my clients, um, and anything I can do to support them. I just, I just feel happy about, so mm. I would say that's my favorite thing. 
That's awesome. Um, and so I also just kind of want to get an idea about um, kind of the other people you work with, not necessarily the people like within your branch, but just kind of like the industry. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming the like burnout rate or like turnover rate is mm-hmm. high. Um, mm-hmm. It is. Okay. So that was a correct assumption. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess. Not be wrong. Because obviously you're dealing with stuff like that every day um and i know at least me personally i don't necessarily even think about sexual assault once a day or once a week um unless it's like the news or something um so like being in that every day you kind of mentioned that it was like mentally taxing um yeah. what kind of ways do you and your coworkers? i mean i'm assuming like do they have some sort of counseling you can go to or is there <laughs> certain like uh i mean maybe you can't talk about that but just kind of like some tactics you use to make yourself like have hope in the world <laughs> essentially um i'll talk about it because why not um okay. no there's there's no counseling from my job there is absolutely no counseling we have dental we have health, uh, medical Mm-hmm. We do not have any like mental health um, coverage. Um, something that I have been very vocal about at my job. So if they hear this, like I've said it over there too. So I, you guys can't like keep me shut down. Um, yeah, no, that it, it's an issue. Um, it really, really needs to help, especially when I think most people at my job and most people within this work are survivors of sexual assault, sexual violence. Um, that's why I think a lot of people who do this work are drawn to it. Not saying everyone is, mm-hmm. um, but even for someone who hasn't experienced it, of course, it's hard when you're hearing those stories every day. Um, but again, for someone who has experienced it, it's just another level of added trauma. Um, and it can bring up stuff for you as well. So like the trigger, like trigger warnings are like so real um, to be in the shop and to be a survivor, you have to be on a level of healing, like on your road of journey to healing um, in a good enough place that you won't be triggered all the time. We obviously can't have people who are like super upset all the time or like can't bear to hear anything. While we would love to support every survivor if they want to work there, um, we do need people who are a little bit farther along um, because we want to support that person who's right, who is just experienced right there. Um, While my job doesn't provide mental health counseling, again, talk about it all the time. I've said it to my bosses multiple times. I like, I've been meaning to go to HR and talk about it. I don't really think they don't really like me over there anyways in the HR department. So I feel like um, they'd say, oh, this girl again, um, which I think is like a, a very um, common thought process when it comes to me. Like, I think I was just thinking about like family stuff with us. Like, oh, so people shut up again about this. So, um, you know, same at work. Um, but I think my job does do a great job at giving us that space and that time. Um, so we do things called like downtime once a month. Um, it's a five hour thing. And I usually don't schedule anything before or after unless I have a client who like really can only meet that day. Um, and we basically do like a fun activity every, every month. Um, so I'm in charge of doing the December one. So I'm going to do like a secret snowflake giving. Maybe we're going to decorate some Christmas cookies. Um, and that's a whole day that we get paid to literally just like hang out and do something fun. We recently watched Inside Out, which is... Great movie. Great movie. I recommended it. Um, my coworker um jamal who i love shout out jamal um hated the movie he was like why'd she do bing bong dirty like that 
Um, he hated the movie. A lot of my coworkers were like, I'm depressed now, Sophie. Why did you bring this up? I'm like, you guys, like, it's a beautiful movie about emotions. It like, is kind of sad, though. I understand what they're saying. It is sad, but it's like, damn, you guys, we talk about sexual assault all day and inside <laughs> you out. You can't handle the, inside out. Yeah, it's the, the grain of rice that pushed the scale over. Like, okay, y'all. So that was kind of funny to me. But um, so we do that. Um, we have all my coworkers and I, my coworkers know this for me as well. If they ever need to process something and talk to someone about it, we can do it with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely cried in front of my coworkers like multiple times. Um, and again, it's nice because a lot of my coworkers are similar to me, like very empathetic, non-judgmental. Um, so I feel comfortable talking to them about it. Um, and also at the same time, while we're not like breaking confidentiality with each other, we can talk a little bit more with our coworkers than I can with like the general public because of course they are confidential too. So um, similar to like a therapist, like you can tell your therapist whatever because they're confidential. Um, I don't tell them like nitty gritty details, but it's just nice to be like, I have a client who's dealing with this. Do you have any recommendations? Or I have a client who's dealing with this and it fucking sucks. And can I just stay here and cry for a little? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, yeah, sure. You know, it's cool. Um, so it's really great to have that support. Um, and like my supervisors are really awesome. I really, really love them. They're super nice. Um, I had an incident where I was at a hospital accompaniment, maybe like last month. Um, and the situation was, this never happened to me before, but the situation was too, it was too close home for me and it was just too much. Um, so I immediately called my supervisor and I was like, I can't do this. Can you please come? And she came and relieved me in 15 minutes. Um, I immediately went out in the parking lot, cried and had a panic attack in my car, um, kind of hyperventilated. But just being able to leave that situation and knowing that I have that support is really um, important. Um, and they're also very flexible about like, well, I wish we got paid more. Again, I've said it to them too. I've got a race though, so woo. Um, <laughs> pay us more um, and also give us more paid time off. But we do have actually like a good amount of paid time off. So I think that's great things. Um, but even like unpaid time off if we need it. Like if we're out of paid time off, they're still flexible with us. So like um, in January, I'm going to New Orleans to visit my sister mm-hmm. um, with my mom. And I only had like 12 hours left. And we're going to be gone from like Tuesday to Friday. So obviously way more than 12 hours. Um, and I was just like to my boss, you know, like I understand if, if I can't go. Like I know it's a lot of unpaid time off. Um, you know, my mom's been planning us going like during COVID because she bought tickets to Ellen John during COVID, like the second day of COVID. She's like, I got tickets to Ellen John. I'm like, we are in a pandemic. I, we are locked down right now. What are you talking about, mom? So something she's been looking forward to. Um, and my boss was kind of just like, go. Like, mm. we want you to go. She knows I've been working really hard. Um, and they really, really, while burnout is high and turnover is hard, high, um, they don't want that, especially when it's someone who they like really love. And I think of course it's just a hassle to kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so they know that that stuff, you know, they, they know that stuff happens. So anything that they can do to give us that time so we won't burn out, they, they'll work with us. Um, so it's great. So I feel supported in that way. Although again, yes, would love to get paid more and more to pay time off and counseling. I think that goes with any job especially mm-hmm. in America. I think every job needs more of that. So um, yeah, but those are some things that I think they allow us. Personally, I like to go to yoga. Um, I like to walk, go on walks, um, especially like around my neighborhood. I have like a cute little coffee shop and this cute little um, Guatemalan bakery that I like to walk to. Um, so just 
you know, doing that and, and being with loved ones and being with friends, um, I think is the most important. So, um, yeah, I think all of those things are super important. I think everyone should practice that, but I do feel very blessed that they give us things like our downtime. Like I remember last Christmas at downtime, we did cookie decorating and I told some, somebody I was with like, Oh, we're doing cookie decorating at work on Thursday. And she was like, what? She was like, I thought you were like a sexual assault counselor. And I was like, I am. <laughs> she was like, why are you decorating cookies? And I was like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like my second week here. Um, but yeah, that's why we do those things. Mm. That's good. That's good. I mean, it sounds like they definitely make it a point, um, to kind of, like you said, those monthly activities and things like that. Um, and I feel like I've, you're all kind of, it's like a bond. I feel like it's bond more than like an office job. Like I have kind of like, it, you're all like in it together. Um, and experiencing like the horrific things. Um, so I'm also kind of curious cause obviously you're an organization and you need to pay for things. You need to pay employees, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so is it funded by the government or do you get money from private or is it both? Or I don't know how much yeah. you know about that. The finance um, yeah. is part of it. Yeah. I'm going to walk away, but keep talking because I need to charge my computer. Can that you works. Can hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's a good question. And people ask that question all the time. Um, I... I eventually want to go back to grad school for my MSW, so for my master's in social work. So once I go, I will be able to better answer the funding question because I'm not entirely sure how it works. Like, I know that there's grants written. Um, mm. But I do know, so my job gets a lot of our funding from VAWA, Victim Violence Against Women Act, um, which was passed, I think, in, like, the 90s um, by Clinton, I think. Um, so that's a federal grant that, of course, supports agencies and organizations that um, try to end violence against women. Um, we also get a lot of funding from VOCA, which is Victims of Crime Act. So again, the government giving money to organizations that support victims of crime, which of course we are. Um, we also just get a lot of um, like town grants. So specific towns that we are in our location will give us grants for them. Um, so like, um, I'm trying to think of one. We Southington is a town that we have a grant from. Manchester is a town that we have a grant from. Um, I live in Connecticut, by the way, for anyone doesn't know that. But um, so we do get a lot of like small town grants, um, and those towns we really like to press for outreach for like at schools um, and try to go to their events a lot to like people and stuff, just because we know that they're a funder and we want to make sure that um, you know they're paying and that their their citizens are getting the support they need. So I would say those are the big three ones: so VAWA, VOCA. Um, and then town towns that are interested and invested in making sure that their citizens um, have the support that they need. So those are the big three. Um, but also my job, so it's called YWCA New Britain Sexual Assault Crisis Services. So of course we're like a branch of the YWCA, um, which is like a really big organization throughout the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely we have like some pull, I think, with that name. Um, and I'm sure there's some funding or money coming from them in some way shape or form okay and then like privately like is there like companies that give money or like um like yeah. anonymous private donor donors or is it is it mainly those three buckets that you said coming kind yeah. of from the federal government those are the biggest ones um i think some of our like private donors come from when people again donate money to the ywca in general 
And then it gets um, filtered and down. And then they allocate, yeah, they allocate the funds in whichever way they think needs best. Because I think a lot of times um, people may not realize that, like, we are a branch or they don't they don't want to give it to, like, a specific branch because they're like, oh, we don't want to just give it to, like, fitness and wellness or, like, the, the child care. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the why I think, probably allocates it in the best way they think um, or, like, what which branch needs the best, the, more, the most money. Um, our branch, of course, does have a lot of expenses um, versus, like, child care. Of course, they have expenses. Um, but we have, um, you know, like I said, like we pay for our clients, like rent sometimes we do gift cards. Um, so there's a lot of things that we will help our clients out, like if we can in any way, shape or form. So I do think that a lot of like, sometimes the private donations do kind of go to us. Um, but it also goes to other places in the Y too. Like I know they're trying to like redo a, a room over there or something. So I'm sure a lot of the donations, um, for the next like year or two will probably go like to fund that. Um, so yeah, I think those, I would say VAWA, VAWA, VOCA, town orgs are like really big grants. Um, but yeah, private donors. I have like a donation link for like SACS, our specific one. I don't know if anyone uses it. Um, so stuff like that. But, um, yeah, those are our biggest funders, I would say. Again, Hmm. I'm not entirely sure how funding works. I have not taken that class yet, but. Um, I know it's complicated and I know it's all about like hierarchies and I'll donate my money to the thing that makes me look best. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know it's nuanced. So, but yeah, I would say those are our biggest ones. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. And that is really, I, I mean, I feel like I've heard about the like violence against women act and, um, things like that, but it is cool that there at least is something. Um, obviously it's from, just talking to you and you being my cousin talking to you more about it and i do know like other people that kind of work in similar area it does sound like it probably should be funded maybe a little bit more than it is um but i would say that's a lot of uh a lot of different things in america and that's that's a little more politics rather than talking about um the issue exactly Um, i think money is complicated so wherever there's money discussed i I try not to get involved because I have no idea. Like, of course, I want people to donate to sexual violence, but a lot of people care about animal shelters, and those are important, too, because they don't get any funding. So, you know, um, it's nuanced. It's complicated, but Mm. whatever. Yeah. Um, And so I also wanted to kind of take this to to a worldly view um, more because I feel like we've been talking about, like, your specific role at your job and just Mm -hmm. America in general. Um, but as far as like the rest of the world, um, I, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that in like developed nations, sexual assault is less rampant. Is, is that a correct assumption or am I incorrect? Is it just as high? This is, this is one of the biggest issues with sexual violence and tracking it is when we're tracking sexual violence, we're tracking what's reported, right? Um, yeah, which makes sense because you can't, you don't know. If, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Um, so that, of course, makes sense to me. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, um, as we, you know, kind of touched upon and, and I think is kind of relatively known well, it's very underreported. Um, so I think the, the statistic for women is like one in three and the statistic for men is one in six. I like to say it's probably one in two for women and one in four for men in the States. Um Okay. If we're gonna if we're gonna think about non um, people who haven't reported, um, 
So it's a really hard one, especially in less developed countries where their tracking systems aren't as great as ours. Even our system is not that great. Um, so of course it's going to be hard in like maybe a really not developed country that that's, um, you know, like police force doesn't do a great job of tracking things or, um, doesn't do, you know, a, a great job at like recording things, you know, things like that. Um, but that was a tough question. And honestly, I haven't like thought about it that much. Um, it's a problem everywhere. I think when people have more financial security, people automatically equate that with like, oh, there's more financial security, so that must mean it doesn't happen. Um, when I think that is really false. Um, I think what it has to depend on is the society and the culture of the country that we're talking about. Um, so America, you know, the society is very um, masculine, very like male-centered, um, very like our gender roles are really strict. Um, and it's not something that's talked about. So, of course, there's high rates here. Um, in a country where women have barely no rights um, and no voice, I would assume, yeah, it probably does happen a lot there, um, but can't even speak out against it. So their statistics are probably going to be much lower. Um, but at the same time, if you, like, if you live in a country where you have to have, like, a male chaperone to go out, um, I'm just going to assume that there's going to be issues like that because women are respected as people. Um, and then they're treated more as like objects, which I think is one of like objectifying is really a big issue when it comes to sexual violence. Um, but yeah, I think it comes down to society and culture. So um, if your society, you know, again, about oppression, if your society is really heavy into oppression and, you know, keeping people down, then yeah, you're going to have really high rates of sexual violence. Um, a lot of times, I think, especially in America, but I think all Western countries, America, Canada, Britain, um, it's kind of like, oh, we're the shit. Like, we we are amazing. We're Western. We are a first world country. Like, okay, cool. Like, what does that mean? Um, mm -hmm. Still happens here. Still a problem. Recently, even in, like, the UK, um, a police officer was actually convicted for, like, raping and murdering a girl as she was walking home. Um, I forget her name, and I feel really bad for that. But there was, like, protests sparked throughout the whole country um, because of it. So that's a first world country, that Western country that people think, you know, is like, oh, really cool, Britain. You know, they're mm. really elevated and classy. Um, still happens there. Um, but similarly, like, in India, there's a whole documentary about this. It's called India's Daughter, if anyone is interested. Um, there was a really brutal raven murder of a college student um, by like a group of men and there was protest spark there too. So I would say, you know, the biggest thing um, about that kind of question is it happens everywhere and no place is immune to it. Um, but if your society or culture is rooted really strictly in gender roles, um, really strictly in like shame and stigma around sex, I would think that there's going to be yeah higher incidences of it because again, not talked about, not reported, um, if it's, if it's thought to be like the status quo, um, like marital rape was legal here until like the fifties, I think. Um, really? so that, yeah, it's very, very recently. Jesus. Don't quote me on that. I don't know the year, but it was legal for a very long time. I mean, um, even if it um, was like a hundred years ago, like that's still kind of concerning. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, when our society was like um, a husband can't rape a wife because that's his property, um, there's a lot of places where that, you know, thinking is still prevalent. So mm -hmm. 
really about society and really about culture. Um, yeah, we are no way immune to it. And mm. I don't think, like, I don't think there's any country where you're going to go and be like, yeah, we fall sexual violence. Like we're saying like that might not ever happen. Um, but I can't really name a country that's like, yeah, they really handle it in an amazing way. Um, well, there, I go- haven't, I haven't seen it. there goes my next question. <laughs> I was, I was hoping <laughs> I was going to ask if there's like any countries that do a really good job or, I, I'm sorry. I, no, that's fine. Well, that, I mean, it's good to know because that means that it's it's something that as it's not just a American problem; it's a world problem. Yeah, um, <clears throat> hmm. um, okay. Um, switching topics. Um, mm-hmm. We just did an hour on sexual assault, um, so we'll try to uh, sorry about that, listeners. Give the people. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's I'm like you said, it's important. We're having conversations yeah. about it. It's how you progress things forward. Um, so one thing I have it stuck in my head from when you said it. You said you go to a Guatemalan bakery. What? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of like pastries are at a Guatemalan bakery, or is it just like Guatemalans that own it and they bake like regularly? regular stuff um okay so yeah so this place i live in hartford connecticut um i live like right by the capitol building um place i'm talking about is aurora's bakery it's on capitol avenue so plug aurora's love you guys <laughs> um it's owned by a family they are guatemalan um, okay. instagram love the instagram go follow aurora's bakery too um like all the posts are in spanish and stuff um no it's like actual guatemalan food okay. um so the the one thing that I really love, I don't know if it's like traditional Guatemalan, probably not, um, but it's a flan donut. So it's a donut with flan in the middle. <sighs> have you ever had flan? Yeah, I have. Okay. So it's fire. Is so. it just like a plain donut or is it like, like a, a cinnamon sugar donut with <sighs> flan in the middle? That sounds so come, good. You can go get one. It is so freaking good. Um, so that's like one of my favorite things, but they also have like Guatemalan bread. I don't want it pronounce anything and butcher it um but i usually just ask the people like you know what's your favorite thing over there today? yeah i'm like oh this and i get whatever they say um but they also have really good food so i go a lot for like the, um they have like a guatemalan breakfast which is like rice beans eggs um plantains mm-hmm. um your meat of choice um and i get like a nice coffee so it's just a cute little like family-owned business um around the corner that i love to go to so i love aurora shout out they're right next to the um, like the bougie, the bougie coffee shop that I can go to when I can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, love Aurora's. Big shout out. Um, they're a big one for me. And then there's also a vegan Jamaican restaurant a little bit down the block that I walk to too. Huh. Um, it's called Fire and Spice, owned by a Jamaican family, I believe. Um, fire, better than like the the lentil patties, better than a beef patty. Like I swear to God, like it's fucking good. Um, so try vegan food, people. I'm not a vegan or anything. Please don't mm. quote me on that. But it's just so good because it's prepared so well. It's like it's just it's just real food. It's it just happens to be vegan. It's not like, oh, we're gonna make this we're gonna make chicken nuggets vegan. It's like this is good food. Um yeah, those are my two favorite spots. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever been to like a Guatemalan restaurant or like had like a Guatemalan dish. I mean what like um what would you i mean you might not know but is there like a staple dish and is there a staple dish in guatemala i, I, I mean, have no idea i'm just i'm just curious 
Yeah, I have no idea. Um, they're really good at doing like specials and stuff though. Like I look, I like check on their Instagram a lot of times in the morning to see like what they got cooking for the day. Of course the captions are in Spanish, so I can't read them. Um, <laughs> but like the Instagram C translation feature is actually really on point sometimes. Like of course it's like Google Translate, so it's not always mm-hmm. best. Um, but it does wonders. Um, I also want to learn Spanish, so that's how I'll learn. Maybe I'll just go to Aurora's and practice my Spanish um but yeah i i don't know if they have like i'm sure they have a signature like national dish um my roommate who's not here right now like has been to guatemala and her sister's been to guatemala a bunch i I could ask her she's not here right now but um yeah i'd never been to like a guatemalan restaurant either like usually it's like mexican restaurant chinese food stuff like that um but it's like it's really good whenever i order anything when I last went, I got, yeah, Guatemalan breakfast and the, the guy I was with got, um, like a fried steak. It was kind of like a, like a chicken fried steak, but it had like this good sauce on it. He had sauce on it. Um, very good. So yes, I don't know. I don't really know all that much about Guatemalan food, but whatever I have eaten is banging. So would recommend. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I love to do. And I know like not everyone does, but just like trying different ethnicities, like food. Cause it's like, yeah. like for example, you mentioned like something like plantain. Like I remember the first time I had a plantain, I was like, Whoa, what is this? Like, it's oh, just God. like, and there's so many examples of that. Um, like out there, I mean, obviously in America, it's pretty much like you have like American food and then like Italian is obviously huge. Um, and then like Asian food is kind of all, all one in America. I wouldn't really say that like, like there's kind of just like Asian restaurants that have all types of Asian food. Um, but it is cool to experience like Guatemalan and like just there, I mean, there's so many different cuisines out there and you can eat so many different things. Um, obviously we can't get things that like are grown in like, well, living in the Northeast, you can't get things that are grown in like a super like jungle environment or like humid environment. So, um, but I it mean, depends. you can get most, you can get like stop and shop right down the road. I can get like a dragon fruit yeah. and like star fruit yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. Well, I feel really blessed because like living in Hartford, very diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different places I can go. Like if I needed specific food, um, there's like like Adong, which is really big. I love Adong. Um, it's kind of like an Asian supermarket that I love to go to. Um, you can get like a whole rust- roasted duck there, but you can also just get like Pocky if you want. Like mm-hmm. they have a lot of cute things. Um, and similarly, there's this place called Apple Tree, which I love. I think it's in Hartford. It might be like right on the border of West Hartford, Hartford. It's in Hartford. Um, and you can buy like 10 limes there for like 60 cents. Like freaking love Apple Tree. 10 um, but what? They have the you can buy like ten limes for like sixty cents. Like I oh, have... okay. Stop. Okay, I'm sorry if I talk too fast. But um... well, no, I thought you said lines, and so I was like, oh, you're like, oh. like what? What kind of lines are you buying? Oh, okay. But limes, no, I get it. Limes. Now. Okay. Yeah. Um. No limes. Um. So it's really cheap, and I feel like every time I've been there with my mom, it's like, how does this place stay in business? Um, cause everything's so cheap, but you can buy like very like exotic fruit there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different places to like shop that I find you can like find a lot of that stuff, which is one of the reasons like I love living in Hartford. Um, like the supermarket I really like to go to is Key Foods and it's really close to me. Um, and a lot of like Spanish people, like Hispanic people shop there. Um, so it has like a whole like Hispanic section, like Hispanic teas, like Spanish teas. 
So like queso fresco and mm-hmm. like things that I always see in like cooking tutorials. I'm like, where do you buy this? And then it's like, oh, I can go get it at the supermarket because it just happens to be there. Um, so I feel blessed with the fact that I do, I feel like have a lot of access to different kind of foods that maybe not everyone does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And it is just something is co- in cooking. Um, I mean, obviously it's an everything diversity like brings out the best, but I feel like cooking, especially because you kind of like stumble across the ingredient in like a Mexican dish mm-hmm. or something and you, you can use it for like the stir fry you're making too. Like it's like yeah. it, things can be like cross uh, cultural. And I mean, you you see that with like all these like crazy like fusion restaurants. Um, oh my God, yeah. Like there's <laughs> just like so I'm many like, crazy. <laughs> yeah. How would you do this? Yeah, like there's a there's one in um, Providence, like near where I went to school, and I want to say it's like a Peruvian French, and then there's like something else in there, but it's just like a wild combination. I don't, (laughs) I don't even know if they like if they just like kind of made that up for like a marketing ploy or if like it actually is. Um, But it, yeah, I mean, food is definitely one of those things where Mm. at least I enjoy just trying something new. Well, that's like a whole episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Do you watch Seinfeld? Of Seinfeld, Sein- yeah, I've seen Seinfeld. When he like the a restaurant opens up across from him, and the guy's like, um, I want to say he's like Pakistani or Af- Afghani. Oh, is it and, the Pakistani chicken? Well, Jerry goes over and he has like every single cuisine except for like the Pakistani cuisine, and Jerry's like, "You should make a Pakistani restaurant because no one else on the block has it." He's like, "Okay, I will do it, Jerry." Um, he does it and no one comes because um, I guess no one was interested in Pakistan. That's just what that made me think of. Um, Jerry basically screwed him. So, yeah, he was doing better when it was the fusion, I guess. So. <laughs> well, I was thinking of, have you ever seen Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> Wait, oh, my God. No, it's the Palestinian chicken. The Palestinian. And, it's not Pakistani. And yeah. he's Jewish. And he's oh Jewish. And him and his friend like are both Jewish. And they go and they just love the the Palestinian chicken. Stop. And then Larry David like hooks up with one of the Palestinian girls. Yep. And he's like calling him like a Jew the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh okay, yep. I love Curb. Okay, yeah. Similar <laughs> vein. Written by the same, or like, done by the same guy, you know, so. Yeah. Well, half written. Well, because Larry half and written. Seinfeld wrote Seinfeld, and then only Larry's involved in Seinfeld. Or only Larry's involved in Curb. Um, yeah. Curb's a classic. Love it. Yeah. I showed my dad Curb and he loved it. And I was like, I knew you'd love it because I feel like you remind me of Larry David. Like, you always mm-hmm. get these stupid hijinks. So it's really your fault to be like, put yourself in that situation and you blame everyone else. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of like the longest running TV shows of all time. It's been Curb? running. Yeah, it's been running since for like 20 something years now. Like, wow. the first season, because take, they've taken like breaks for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. um or whatever but i know that i mean 20 years that's i mean i what the simpsons is longer i'm trying to think of like others is, um law and order fu is really long going that's my show you like it's that like show 20, well i love that show honestly <laughs> if anyone has seen law and order fu it's basically what i do from the cop point of view um and like olivia benson the girl in it i was always like i want to be her but then mm-hmm. i grew up and i was like I was 12 like i hate the cops like i could never be a detective <laughs> um but also at the same time, i'm like maybe i should be a detective so that there would be that person who would be her but it would be me 
Um, that show is really long running though. Yes. And like, I'm sure like days of our lives or something is probably up there. Too. Yeah. Like, so, so <clears throat> is SVU still running? Yes. They still make new episodes and Jesus. the new episodes, they were making them like during COVID, like the pandemic hit and then it stopped production. But yeah. Then came up eventually. Um, and everyone in the, in the show was like wearing masks and it was like social distance. Like it was like the plot line. Basically the show sucks now cause they try to like keep it going, but it's very mm. like, yeah, let's like put in very, um, topical conversations. So one of the things that SVU does is they try to like, it's like this, this despite the depictions, like this, this TV show is based on no person in particular. Um, but it's clear that like, this was the Jeffrey Epstein case that they were talking about or like, this oh, really? case. yes, they have a whole episode where, this rich billionaire guy, similar takes like similar, literally the exact same as Jeffrey Epstein. He even ends up like hanging himself in his jail cell at the end. So um, it's like this depiction was not inspired by was was not inspired yeah. by any true real events. Like yes, it was. Like you can say that, but this is Jeffrey Epstein. Um, fuck Jeffrey Epstein, by the way. So big shout out to that one. Um, but yeah, um, that shows really long too, for sure. Huh. Yeah, I've never I mean I've like been in the room when people are watching it. Um, but I've I've never sat down and like watched a full episode through. Um It's a hard one to watch. <laughs> I think the best part of it is like they'll say something very like just that like bad. It'll be like there was semen in the ear canal and then Ice T will be like, That's messed up, man. Like Ice T's literally just there to be like, That's fucked up, man. So um some of the good things about that show, but yeah, it's um, long going. Probably need to cut it off soon. But uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll write Dick Wolf like the Law and Order guy. But does, I also really love the show. So if they cancel it, I would also at the same time be very devastated. So does he much. still write them all too? Yes, it literally Jeez. every episode. It's like Dick Wolf. Um, I don't even know what that man looks like or how old he is. Well, what if he just faked this whole time and like that was just a name they gave to some guy? Like, <laughs> I mean, it could be. There's so many stories of that of like writers mm-hmm. that like just use a surname or like people that don't want to be found. I'm trying to think because Law and Order, like before SVU was, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to see when it. So Law and Order started in the '90s. So it's been going for like thirty years, I guess. Yeah. If you I mean, add I, Law and Order and SV, because it's essentially, I mean, obviously it's a different show, but they, I mean, they change the characters in both shows to kind of yeah, well, like SVU. One of I, the thing about SVU is like a lot of times in our presentations when we talk about like free culture or something, we bring up kind of like media portrayals. Mm. Um, and SVU can be one of those problematic portrayals. So it's like kind of oh, bad, no. but I love it. Um, just because a lot of times in SVU, like the, the victims are, they've been like badly beaten or they're bleeding or something. Um, and it was like a stranger on the bushes. Um, that's literally only been like one case that I've seen on hospital accompaniments. It's usually like someone known or mm. like a partner. Um, they're usually like intoxicated. So um, it can just really create that like, again a media narrative that to be like a victim of sexual assault you have to be it has to be a stranger um you have to be like viciously beaten Mm. for it to be true um so it can kind of you know solidify those thoughts in people but as someone who is isn't thinking like that and just for some reason loves the show um it's because i i love the main girl marissa hargitay she's amazing and i love her um and she actually does a lot of good like advocacy work for sexual assault and sexual violence like 
uh, on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least she's using her platform for that. So um, yeah, I probably might get flack for saying that, but yeah, I love SU. Um, but I do, I do see it short falling. So for sure. Yeah. Hey, d- if you like it, you should enjoy it. Don't let people tell you otherwise. True. Well, it's like I hear about this stuff all day. So why not let me see the dramatized mm. TV thing? Because um, then I'm like, haha, that's fake. Like, yeah. not haha, but like. I don't know. No, yeah, I, 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 and it do it does make sense that like I mean TV and media and everything they it glorifies everything. I mean whether mm-hmm. it's like something like sexual assault or um, something a little easier like we were talking about like cooking and like there's like cooking shows mm-hmm. that are like reality shows or like something mm-hmm. like that. Um, humans just like to see something that's not yeah. realistic to their lives, so it makes them. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't know. I think the scary thing about that is, like, some people think it's real. Like, they're like, oh, like, King that is Kardashians, true. this is completely real. Or, like, Love Island, this isn't scripted at all. Like, are you, you don't like serious? Love Island? Oh, I love Love Island. I, that, that's a bit of me, isn't it? That's what they always say. Um, love Island is funny. Don't like it, though. It's deeply, deeply problematic. Um, but, yeah, it's crappy TV, and I think everyone likes crappy TV. Mm. And if you're saying you don't like crappy TV, I just feel like you're trying to be, like, above everyone else and bougie. Like, everyone likes crappy TV. Everyone likes to watch girls fighting and fighting over a guy. And everyone likes to see hot people hooking up. So, of course, we love Love Island. Like, it just makes sense. Um, <laughs> I've, yeah, never, so I've never actually watched it. Um, I do have, like, a lot of friends that will, like, watch it. Um, but I have not given it a chance yet. The premise is a little weird. Well, it's not weird, but the one the one part about Love Island that like deeply creeps me out is that you have to be like in a couple the whole time. Um, so you have to like couple up with people, and it's very like strategic. So it's like because if you're single, you'll get like voted off the island or whatever. Um, so you like have to be in a couple. Um, but when you're in that couple, you have to share a bed with the person, and the bed is in a room filled with all the other beds of people sharing it. So that's the one thing that's a little weird to me. I'm like, what if you don't actually want to be in the couple and you like have to share a bed with this person? Yeah, that's a little um, uncomfortable. And there's people like having sex like to do. I mean, I don't know if that actually happens because it's scripted. So that's like what's real, what's fake. Who knows? Um, but yeah, um, I think if you you say you don't like shitty TV, you're just lying to everyone because you want to be cool. I yeah. don't like shitty TV. That's yeah, I'm <clears throat> trying to think of the worst TV show that I like. I'm a, I'm a huge Survivor fan. I love Survivor grandma's a huge survivor fan yeah it's so good um i've never like watched one like one at a time like as it comes out like i know there's a season out right now and i don't but i've like that's one of those yeah that's one of those things like in college and like covid when i had time to like watch things like i'd watch a season in like two days like it's bad (laughs) oh for sure (laughs) um i'm trying to think of like other shows I watched the the whole new season of Tiger King in two days with my roommate and her boyfriend. I have I haven't watched that yet. Was it did it live up to the first season? Um, I mean, it's just like it's more drama. I'm like, how? What are these? Who are these people? That show is just blows my mind because it's like a docu series, so it's still manipulated, and I'm sure parts of it are still fake. Like even a lot of documentaries do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it's not like a oh we're setting up this thing like those people were there before the show and I'm sure all that stuff like kind of happened before so um, just hearing about 
like the drama um and i one thing i really i don't like about the show but i think it's so fascinating is like the hatred they all have for each other like let me shoot the dummy of carol baskin and then like in the new season it's like they're all all the different zoo owners are like using their target practice and on the target is the other zoo go, like owner and i'm just why do you guys have all this hate for each other like i've never hated anyone so much in my life that i would put their face on like a target practice i don't know um it's just funny to watch like adults who are actually children like do weird things um but also sad because i don't think that anyone should own like tigers and use them for profit at the same time too so well isn't there like more and i you can correct me if i'm wrong but isn't there some stat that there's like more tigers in america in captivity than like in certain places of the world yeah, there's more tigers in captivity than there are in the wild. Um, that's actually like a true fact, I think. I think I'm getting that fact from Tiger King. So, like, But no, I think that's a true fact. Um, when okay. I went abroad to Bhutan, um, one of the things that was really cool there was zoos are illegal there. Um, they have like sanctuaries, but it's literally just like thousands of acres and miles of land that it's like, don't, don't come here. The tigers mm-hmm. live here. Um, so I think it's a really beautiful, like, mentality, like, let's just let animals be animals. Um, yeah, I don't know why a tiger needs to be in captivity, like, even in Tiger King when they be showing, like, oh, like, tiger pet time, um, and they have, like, the little kids playing with the tigers, I'm just like, this does not seem, like, nice, like, when you give a kid a puppy, you're like, be gentle, be gentle, you know, like, but it's like, oh, it's a tiger, they'll be okay, like, that's still a baby, so... Mm. Um, the whole show to myself is just a little weird, especially because coming from a family who would never, ever have gone to one of those attractions, like a side road attraction in the middle of like Ohio or Kentucky, where it's like, let's come play with baby tigers, like never would have caught us there. Um, or like SeaWorld or anything, never. So, um, just coming from that point of view, like where my my parents are very like, oh, let's go on a hike and look at the owl in the tree versus like let's go to a thing we're gonna play with baby tigers Mm. Um, it's interesting to see that point of view and that lifestyle but definitely bad i guess yeah so are you would you call yourself like anti-zoo and because the reason i asked this is like one of my friends recently like i was like oh like because there's like there's a zoo near me and they had this like like sip and sip like it was like a beer garden and so you would go and like get beers and like you could like see the animals i think there's like a petting zoo too for like kids for kids not me because i'm an adult i'm grown you'd never pet a goat no i probably would but anyways (laughs) he was just like no like i don't want to go like i i like will never go to a zoo again in my life i'm like against Mm -hmm. them and i was just kind of like because i never even really thought about it like just kind of like so I was just curious because you said you mentioned um, like the tigers being in captivity in the way Bhutan does it. So do you think mm-hmm. zoos are like a bad thing or do you think they can be run correctly? It just kind of matters on how it's managed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, first off, like I'm not a zoologist or like a well, yeah, biologist obviously. in any way. So I have no idea what it, it takes to like maintain a, a habitat or anything. Um, I think what's more important is like let's save natural resources and habitat so that we don't need to have zoos to like repopulate. Um, but at the same time, I think that is kind of the biggest thing. Like, oh, we we have a zoo because we're um, preserving their species and we're like mm-hmm. furthering the line. 
Um, it's like, well, if they had full habitats and they were protected, then you wouldn't even need to do that. And then they could live in the wild. Um, the, the couple of like zoos that I went to in Bhutan, um, the animals that lived there were like extremely injured where they couldn't live in the wild. So they were just taking care of them. Um, I think, you know, if an animal can't live in the wild and we have the resources to take care of them, like, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but just, like, thinking about animals in captivity seems really sad. Like, this is one of the things they talked about in Tiger King. Like, the whole new season, Joe Exotic is, like, on the, the jail phone because he's in jail, I guess. Um, and one of the things he said at the end, which I was like, well, at least he fucking said it, was, like, after being in this cage these years, now I know how my tigers felt. I'm like, there, like, you said it, like... At least he admitted it, though. I was like, I'm, Ooh, yeah. surprised. I'm surprised that this man would ever say that because he's like, my tigers are my life and I love my tigers. Like, um, no, the fact that he said that, and that was the thing I was saying the whole time. I'm like, how do you feel being locked up in a cage? Because that's what you're doing all your fucking tigers for so long. Yeah. Like, animals that, like, tigers travel hundreds of miles. Like, mm-hmm. tigers are wanderers. They don't just sit in the same spot. Like, they need room to go. Um... So I yeah I don't I don't think it's the greatest. Um, petting zoos I think are great because like goats, like are there wild goats? Probably yeah like dildos. yeah there are yeah there are yeah. Um, but like we've domesticated them to the point where like if we send out a goat to the wild they get eaten in a second. Same with like a cow. Yeah. Um, so of course like petting zoos I like. Um, but I think if they're doing it in a way that's like respectful to animals, if they have enough space, um, and if you're trying to like educate the masses on conservation on you know being environmentally friendly i think that's important um because a lot of people go to zoos so i think it's a great place to be Mm -hmm. like okay you're at the zoo like you do like animals so do you want to donate to like save habitat or do you want to like learn more about the habitats that we're destroying um it's really cool and you know like one of the big things in connecticut is mystic aquarium Mm -hmm. um which i really really love going to mystic aquarium um but again they don't have any orcas or anything like sea world the biggest thing they have is like a beluga whale um that's still pretty I cool i don't think i've ever seen one at an aquarium before oh my god no the belugas are so beautiful and they i've been seeing these tiktoks um they've been having like um jazz bands and like um violin players and stuff come to um play for the beluga whales because they're really about like sonar mm-hmm. um and the blue whales will like sing with them and dance with them. It's really, really cute, and it like just warms my heart so much. Um, so like going, growing up and going to the Mystic Aquarium, like it seems like a great place. Again, I don't know like if it's a good place. It seems really beautiful, and again, they don't have orcas like SeaWorld, and they're not yeah. making them do like weird shows where they're like having people like swim on them. Mm. Um, and I do think that the blues that they take in are like injured or, you know, they're rehabilitating them. So I think um, that's a good example. But yeah, I think zoos, like, I have no idea. I'm just not educated enough. And I probably should educate myself on them. Um, I'm not, you know, there's some people who are like, I'm an animal person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to volunteer at a cat shelter. Like, couldn't be me. Like, I love animals. I've never heard an animal. Um, but I'm like, there's more pressing issues, like dead people dying. And <laughs> I don't know that sounds really fucked up and i'm so sorry for saying that but like no it's true like i don't know save the puppies i'm like yeah save the puppies but like what about the refugees like do you guys not care about like the haitian people at the border getting whipped by the people on the horses like you Mm. know i don't know um (laughs) who knows but yeah i think animals are great and i think zoos are 
not the best. I don't think anything should be in captivity. It's just sad. Mm. Um, yeah, but like when it comes to yeah, like goats, goats are cute, and they I don't think they're too sad about it. Yeah, but yeah, also- yeah. I remember when I was visiting Australia. Um, we went to a zoo, and like all the kangaroos, like just were in like a fenced-in area, and they just looked all like so depressed, and like so that's like one kind of image I have, but then like you also like, like you mentioned the beluga whale is like, um, like there are animals are happy in captivity. It just kind of depends on the vibe of the place. And, and like you said, like injured, like animals that can't survive Mm -hmm. out in the wild. It is a great place for them to go. Um, well, I also think the kangaroos is kind of a fucked up situation because like beluga whales. Yeah. There's probably not that many left. Like, kangaroos did you know that there's more kangaroos than people in australia is is that a true fact i I knew that there is more sheep than people in new zealand i saw it on fuck that's delicious with action bronson um with he goes to australia and he meets up with this like bush bush cook and the guy makes him a kangaroo tail and he's Mm -hmm. like this is this is a really i i can't do it in australia i have no idea (laughs) you'd probably be better at it than me um but he's like good day um he's like this is a really good like source of protein because they're literally like rampant everywhere so mm. even if we killed a couple to eat like he's like they're really good honestly i'd probably try a kangaroo i've, I've had I, it a couple times it is good okay see so um i think he was basically kind of equating it to kind of like squirrels like there's a lot yeah, so or, not. or like raccoons um, and they're like yeah. they're varmint yeah so exactly so it's like in that case, it's like, why would you need kangaroos in captivity? Go in your backyard in Australia, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of my thought process on that. Yeah. Also, going along zoos. So I learned this the other day, and this kind of blew my mind. Every panda in the world is owned by the Chinese mm-hmm. government, what the and fuck? they rent it out to all the zoos. Isn't Yo, that I not- hate China, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they be the worst. You can't own a panda. Well, oh no, because they're only found in China. They're from China, yeah, I know. Pandas I mean, are I, only found I, in China. So, okay, you're right. I guess you can own a panda then. But it, so all the government, like, I don't know what law they signed or like whatever, but essentially all the captive pandas in the world are owned by the Chinese government and they're leased they're out to the out. zoos. So, like, even, like, there's no one else that owns a panda in the world, except for the Chinese government. And then, obviously, there's, like, a bunch of wild ones. Well, actually, I, sh- I, I don't know. No, there's not. Pandas are, like, almost extinct. Well, really? that's the thing about pandas. Yeah, okay, pandas, Um, they, like, don't procreate. Have you not heard about this? No, educate pandas, me. Like, pandas, like, don't have sex. Like, well, they do, but it's ri- they don't. They're not interested in it. It's not something that they're super interested in, so... That's why there's a lot of, like, not a lot of pandas. Because they yeah. literally just, like, when there's a panda baby, it's, like, a really, really big deal. Huh. Because pandas just aren't interested in having sex. I think they're just, like, fat and lazy and just want to eat bamboo <laughs> and pillow. And they're, like, leave me alone. But literally, like, scientists have tried everything. Yeah. Even, like, just playing Marvin Gaye. They're, like, let's put a male and female panda together. They've literally done There's that. no like, way someone there. actually tried that. I swear to God, Avery. They're, like, we need to try every single thing. What gets humans in the mood? Like, let's play very sensual music. And it was, like, mm. let's get these pandas to fuck. Um, it's a really big deal, I guess, when a panda has a baby. Um, which is kind of sad. I'm, like, 
but it's also like if they don't want to do the damn thing yeah natural selection exactly i'm like natural selection but um i don't know pandas are cute they're very cute but at the same time if they don't they're not fucking with it they're not fucking with it um i don't know so yeah pandas that fun fact that's why they're so little like don't and of course because their habitats are being destroyed and yeah you know every every other thing you know they said that like when we have children they probably will never have seen like a giraffe and probably like won't ever see one really i actually like might be extinct by then huh that's sad yeah i i never known that about pandas huh yeah fun that's, fact. A, that's, that's interesting to think about <laughs> yeah it is pretty funny <clears throat> kind of a comical it's kind of a comical one like extinction by low libido Never heard of that one. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to maybe maybe not Marvin Gaye. Maybe that's a little too outdated. Maybe they need to play like Bryson Tiller, like The Weekend. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe they'd be more into like this era. I think Marvin Gaye is pretty good though. Like, I think oh, I, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Marvin Gaye, that's a sad story there, like, right there, too. Dude, that's, I had no idea about that until, like, like, four months ago. Bro. Like, I've been listening to his music, like, my entire life. And, like, I was like, I love this guy. Like, I mean, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, obviously, like, Homer pick. But, like, there's there's so many songs that I've listened to of his. And I forget how I came across it. Um... I want to say I just like played it in front of someone and they're like, oh, it's like so sad. Like, I think it was around the time, like the anniversary of it or something. And they're like, yeah, it's such a sad story. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh my God. So sad. Well, I think the Marvin Gaye conversation kind of perfectly ties into like my job. It's like if we had a little bit more conversation about sex and it was more normalized, like, oh, like his own freaking dad killed him because he was like mad about him being confident with it. Like, that's fucked up and if that's like if if you can get if that is a reaction to like you being successful like commercially off of like consensual sex and like we're humans we're animals like you and me baby nothing but mammals like it's just the way of life like i don't know like his dad fucking killed him so sad um yeah really big rip marvin gay love you marvin gay um um so we, we've gone an hour 39 here okay cool. um good combo honestly yeah i love it do you have anything else you'd like to say um anything else i'd like to say um thank you for having me on this beautiful platform <laughs> um again when i told my mom that you were doing this she was like are avery i was like what other avery do we know like of course it's r avery mom um yeah thank you for having me i think it's been a cool discussion i'm sorry again to the listeners if it's like a little morbid or negative but at the same time like it's life let's have a conversation about it um Mm -hmm. and normalize it because i have to deal with every day so if you can't hear like a 30 minute conversation about it then um you know come talk to me because yeah, I'm here for questions and clarification <clears throat> for anyone that needs it. Mm-hmm. And and you should never apologize for that. I think it's really important that you should be unapologetic about talking about it. Um, and other people should be as well. 
Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and not only in this, but kind of anything. Because um, I think mm-hmm. people should just talk about what they want to talk about. And people don't want to listen to them. They don't have to listen. They can go find someone else to talk to, right? Um, yeah. Well, I guess my last kind of thinking about this is like, it's Thanksgiving this week. Um, can be a rough time for mm-hmm. people um, with like weird family situations or maybe not in the best family situation. Um, and, you know, just like talking to your family members about this is important and about like things you care about is important. Um, but also like don't, don't cross your own boundaries and don't do it just because you think they need to do it. I feel like I've definitely, and I'm sure you can attest to this, have gotten into like arguments with family members about things that I care about um, because I'm passionate about it and I want them to know how passionate I am about it and I just think they should be educated. Um, but at the same time, like it's not worth your own um, getting upset over it or mm-hmm. disappointment over it if they don't listen to you. Um, you can't change everyone. Um, and just know that like you're a special person and yeah, that, that, just that line. Thanksgiving tough. So I understand that stuff. So. <clears throat> Perfect. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, hopefully once this blows up a little bit bigger, we can get you back on. So we we're talking to a larger audience. Um, oh, hell yeah. push this good, great message. Um, so thanks again. Thank you.